From Liangjiahe, a village on the barren lowest plateau in northwest China, to Zhongnanhai, the center of China's top leadership in Beijing. Xi Jinping has served in various posts at different levels of the government across China, starting in his early years as a junior village official to governing as China's top leader. What's he like as an individual and as a leader? How have his work experiences from earlier decades been influencing his leadership as the national leader? What are some of the core principles that have guided his decisions and actions? I consider myself a relatively hard-working person. I know very well that people's biggest concerns are education, employment, income. We can't pursue development through destructive methods, depleting the legacies from our ancestors while exhausting the options for our future generations. The Stories of Xi Jinping podcast series shares the life and work experiences of Xi Jinping and explores the formation of his governing principles, philosophy, beliefs, among others. Getting to know Xi's thoughts on national governance and how his leadership took shape may help you better understand China's path, governance and principles. You can follow the Stories of Xi Jinping podcast series on all major podcast platforms. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Begum with you on this Thursday, June 22nd, 2023. You're listening to the Beijing Hour, coming to you live from the Chinese capital. On today's program, the Chinese premiers issued a three-point proposal on deepening China-France cooperation. An explosion at a restaurant in Ningxia has killed at least 31 people. Cities and villages across China are hosting a wide range of activities to celebrate the annual Dragon Boat Festival. In business, Chinese tourism authorities expect travel numbers to rebound to pre-pandemic levels. In sports, big transfer moves in European football. In culture and entertainment, new movies in Chinese theaters for the holiday weekend. Now the day's top stories. Chinese Premier Li Chung has put forward a three-point proposal on deepening China-France cooperation. While attending a dinner with the Chinese and French business communities in Paris, the Premier called on both sides to jointly maintain the security and stability of global supply chains, strengthen cooperation and innovation, and foster a sound business environment. Li says China will continue its policy of reforms and opening up, and further expand market access in modern service industries and other areas. The Chinese Premier is in France for an official visit following a trip to Germany. He'll attend the summit for a new global financing pact. And Ken Brown is in Paris with details. Chinese Premier Li Qiang arrived in Paris on Wednesday evening. He was greeted by the French Minister for Economy, Bruno Le Maire. First stop, a working dinner organized by the China-France Committee on the same street where French President Emmanuel Macron lives. Macron will officially receive him for bilateral talks at the Elysee Palace on Thursday evening. Lee began his trip to Europe with a visit to Germany and talks with Chancellor Olaf Scholz. It is Lee's first official visit as Premier and the fact that Germany and France are his chosen destinations underline the importance of the relationship between China and the EU. China exported more than $46 billion worth of goods to France last year. 
Conversations here in France are expected to run along similar lines to those we saw in Germany with the conflict in the Ukraine and China's potential role as a peacemaker top of the agenda, along with closer cooperation on the climate crisis and green technology. Friday's summit on a new global financing pact will also be a highlight. It's a summit that will also be attended by the United Nations and UNESCO as all parties seek to explore ways to address the financial inequality between the developed world and developing countries. That was Ken Brown reporting. China and France have maintained high-level exchanges in recent months. In February, French President Emmanuel Macron met with senior Chinese diplomat Wang Yi in Paris. Wang told Macron that China is ready to restart exchanges with France after three years of the COVID-19 pandemic. In less than two months, Macron arrived in Beijing for a three-day state visit, bringing with them a delegation of over 60 business executives. Chinese and French enterprises signed 18 agreements to expand cooperation in areas including manufacturing, green development, and innovation. The two countries reaffirmed their commitment to a multipolar world. During a visit to France last month, Chinese Foreign Minister Qin Gong called for the two sides to build a more resilient supply chain and to share development opportunities. China and France are comprehensive strategic partners. Chinese industries are working to strengthen that partnership now. Uh, Some have turned to uh, France-based Scheider Electric to help increase production while reducing their carbon footprints. Natalie Malgas spoke with the company's global marketing vice president, Christophe Mella. Engineers at the forefront of the digital transformation era say the sustainability of big business hinges on efficient operating systems. Most of the technology are available today, and it's a question of deploying it. We want to make the, more, the world more sustainable, and that comes with decarbonization. Decarbonization, a good way, is to use more renewable, to use more electricity. In China, new and existing companies are moving to integrated systems to build a competitive edge and balance the bottom line. They are looking at short-term solutions to reduce their energy consumption, but also they want to prepare the future and reduce their carbon impact. Schneider assists by overhauling a client's software and digital drives to streamline their operations. This so-called universal software works on any factory floor, even with older generation equipment. The company says requests from consumers are forcing businesses to consider digitization. One of the benefits of digital transformation is generating faster, simpler and smarter processes. For big industries, this means getting rid of time-consuming manual data entry and eliminating inefficiencies in the assembly line and the potential for human error. China has become Schneider's second largest market globally. The company hopes a visit by Chinese Premier Li Qiang to its premises near Paris will deepen collaboration between the French multinational and local Chinese vendors in a bid to digitize big industries faster, making them more efficient and sustainable. That was Natalie Malgas reporting. Coming up, a deadly explosion at a barbecue restaurant in Ningxia. Dragon boat racing is gaining popularity across the globe. This week on Deep Dive... We find out what's been luring rowers back into the water year after year for this exhilarating sport. 
Is it a glory of being crowned the Dragon King, the adrenaline rush, or much more? I'm Sui, and this week on our podcast Deep Dive, I'll be joined by a fellow journalist to uncover the thrills of dragon boat racing and what makes it so captivating. Just search for Deep Dive on your favorite podcast platform this Thursday for an exciting ride. Also, don't forget to find out if there are any upcoming dragon boat races in your city. Join us as we dive into the vibrant world of dragon boat racing. At seven minutes past the hour, authorities in Inchuan have detained nine people, including the owner of a barbecue restaurant, where a gas explosion killed at least 31 people. Seven others have been injured. Staff members at the restaurant in the capital of Ningxia told authorities that the explosion took place when an employee was changing a gas valve. President Xi Jinping is demanding an all-out effort to treat the injured and that all regions and departments should screen for and rectify all types of risks and hidden dangers. The central government has sent a working group to guide the rescue efforts. Search and rescue teams have covered an area the size of Lebanon to look for a submersible that went missing in the Atlantic Ocean. The search area below water has been expanded after earlier reports of banging noises from the depths. Uh, The sub carrying five people began its descent to the Titanic shipwreck on Sunday. Associated Press reporter Philip Crowther is in Boston with the U.S. Coast Guard. Uh, The U.S. Coast Guard, represented here in Boston by Captain Jamie Fredericks. This is an incredibly complex search operation requiring both surface and subsurface elements. And our unified approach is critical. We've been able to provide continuous air and surface search assets, as well as additional ROV capability to search below the surface. Now, what about those sounds, though, that were detected uh, last night? Uh, They have been detected twice. Is that a sign of life? Well, that is something that those rescuers are not willing to say at this point. The search area, by the way, that has expanded now. The Coast Guard says it is twice the size of the state of Connecticut. It's essentially the size of Belgium. Now, if this vessel is found, though, the question is still where exactly. It could be bobbing on the surface of the Atlantic Ocean, in which case it would be easier to get at it, to open it. Remember, it can't be opened from the inside. It has to be opened from the outside. But if it is found uh, on the seabed, for example, then it would be a lot more difficult to get it back up to the surface. That was AP reporter Philip Crowther. Well, experts raised safety concerns back in 2018 about that submersible vessel, a vessel that's been missing since Sunday. Some industry experts and a whistleblowing employee had worried about its safety, as OceanGate opted against certifying the Titan through third parties such as the American Bureau of Shipping, a leading classifier of submersibles. Uh, Will Conan is chairman of the Marine Technology Society's Committee on Manned Submersibles. Conan addressed a letter in 2018 to OceanGate's founder and CEO, who is on board the missing vessel. In the letter, Conan expressed what he said were widespread concerns about the Titan. As chairman of the Submersible Committee, I stand by the letter and all the, the sentiments of our members that were worried. There's no joy in saying, boy, we were hoping this wasn't going to happen. Uh, we are in a very precarious situation right now, and it's affecting a lot of people. The industry knows how to do this safely. We've done it for 50 years, we have an excellent track record, and we have the regulations 
in place. Well, he adds, the issue was not any single design flaw, but that OceanGate chose not to pursue the industry's recognized certification process. The letter came about after many sub-experts voiced concerns over the Titan during a three-day annual symposium. Conan said he asked the MTS board to send the letter on behalf of the entire society, but the board declined. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky says progress in the counteroffensive against Russian forces is slower than desired. But he says Kyiv will not be pressured into speeding it up because people's lives are at stake. Meantime, Russian President Vladimir Putin said Moscow has observed a lull in Ukraine's countermoves. And he added that Kyiv has some, uh, some potential but understands it has no chance. UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has stressed the significance of Ukraine in offering food and natural resources to Europe. He was speaking in London during an international conference focused on the recovery and reconstruction of Ukraine. It was the breadbasket of Europe, exporting millions of tons of food and grain each month, a top five exporter of iron and ore and steel, a leader in energy, pushing forward renewables, hydrogen and electric vehicles, and a startup nation which helped spark names like PayPal, WhatsApp and Revolut with a thriving tech sector which actually had a record year in 2022. Sunak has reiterated the UK's commitment to stand with Ukraine and invest in rebuilding after the conflict. Diplomats from dozens of countries are meeting to drum up funds. The cost of the task is estimated by the World Bank at more than 400 billion U.S. dollars. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen are among international representatives at the gathering, which hopes to get business to back Ukraine. India is taking stock of the situation that's seen over 170 people die amid sweltering heat waves. Apart from investigations into the cause of the deaths, the central government has sent a team of experts to six states searing in the heat. Ravinder Bawa has more. Fleet of ambulances in northern Indian state of Uttar Pradesh has been busy for last few days. As the temperatures in northern India soared, Hospitals are overwhelmed with patients of heat-related illnesses. Several people have died in two of India's most populous states in recent days. Queues at the hospital for registration of new patients are getting longer. In this heat, the cooler is also not working properly. We are finding it very difficult as we are feeling very hot. All this is the result of intense heat but we don't see any solution to it. Temperatures have touched 45 degrees Celsius in recent days in some parts of India. The locals have been asked to take precautions when out in the sun and to hydrate themselves. Rising mercury is taking a toll on people's health. I'm sweating. I cannot even, I cannot look up straight. It's very hot and it's unbearable. We are just back from a holiday from the cooler places like Shimla and Manali. After being in cooler climate, we cannot bear this heat. It must be very difficult for the people here to bear this heat. The temperature is very high. After loss of lives, the government sprung into action, with the health minister chairing a high-level meeting to take review of the preparedness of state to deal with the situation. Teams of officials are being sent to affected states for assistance and long-term plans are being discussed. Preparations should be done in advance in order to prevent deaths 
caused by heat wave and heat stroke. I have also guided that under ICMR, the disaster management and IMD officers to work as a team and prepare long and short-term plans. The Met Department has predicted above normal heat wave days this summer. Temperatures will be 4 to 5 degrees above normal in most parts of central, eastern and northwest India during the hot weather season this year. That was Ravinder Bawa reporting. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. Coming up, communities across China are celebrating Duanwu, the Dragon Boat Festival. From being ridiculed to being touted as posing the greatest risks to Europe's car makers, what have China's electric vehicle makers experienced in the past decade? Are China-made EVs still synonym with low-end cheap products? And will Chinese EV makers become the next target of Western encirclement? Find the answers to these questions on this week's Chat Lounge, wherever you get your podcast, and right here on CGTN Radio. At 15 minutes past the hour. Well, various places in China are marking Dragon Boat Festival with cultural activities. The occasions associated with Chinese poet Chu Yuan, who originated from today's Yichang in Hubei province. The hometown of the renowned poet is hosting the International Canoe Federation Dragon Boat World Cup. Uh, Huang Yichang reports from the sidelines of this competition. The Dragon Boat World Cup has attracted competitors from around the world. The Dragon Boat World Cup has been the highest level of the Dragon Boat competition. We have witnessed the world's top races battling for uh, battling it out for victory. And of, co- of course, for contenders, Zigui not only offer a a rich Dragon Boat culture and also race tracks, but also rich Chinese history. So some international contenders just told me that. They are here, they're coming here not only for the competition itself, but also to explore Chinese history, uh, to immerse themselves in, in rich Chinese heritage and also Chinese literature, as well as to enjoy the captivating natural landscapes. That was Huang Yichang in Hubei province. The ancient Chinese traditions also celebrated in the UK. Lion dancing and dragon boat racing are just some of the activities that are bringing people together. Wang Chiwei spoke with organizers and some participants in Manchester. Pedals up and making a splash. It's all about teamwork and staying sync to win the race. But it's not winning that matters. We were pretty dreadful, um, but we don't mind because we learn a lot. But for some, just staying dry turned out to be far from easy. It may not be the multi-billion dollar football match that Manchester is usually associated with, but this race brings wealth beyond money. It brings social integration between the Chinese community and people from around the world. Full of buzz and full of joy. I'm quite excited. I haven't never done anything like this before. And steps away from the water, there's also plenty to do on dry land. Today, the more than 2,000-year-old tradition is not only about parades, races and food, but also a celebration of cultural identity. We want to introduce the Chinese culture to the local people, for them to join us together to roll in the dragon boat and to celebrate the festival. The first Chinese settlers arrived in Manchester early in the 20th century, and they have left their mark here, 
With the city's Chinatown today being the second largest in the UK after London. It's about the long-standing Chinese community here in Salford and Greater Manchester. Their contributions over many years to life here in the city, but also across the city region, is many and varied. The event attracts crowds from different backgrounds. I enjoy it. I've done this event many times before and every time it's great to take part. I feel very delighted to show our Chinese traditional costume from different dynasties. A good audience of people, good energy, well organised, everyone's here to have fun. Victory for the winners, but for most, it was the taking part that counts, with teamwork at the forefront of this multicultural day. That was Wang Chiwei reporting on a dragon boat race in the UK. A new genre of live streaming is emerging where a number of AI-generated virtual avatars are taking over the job to promote online products on e-commerce platforms. Uh, the improvements in algorithms and wider application of intelligent connected devices has empowered the digital tool to play a bigger role. Chung Tao spoke with several industry insiders to learn about this new trend. AI-generated content, or AIGC, has begun to appear in all aspects, including copywriting, customer service, and even live streaming. Liu Shuyan is the CEO of Catwell Network. She says many cross-border businesses began to use AI-generated avatars to lower human costs. This technology application is very popular among merchant groups. Because the concept of digital human live broadcasting accurately hits the pain point of the merchants. Once the anchor is popular, he or she is easy to run away. Reducing costs is a major reason why cross-border businesses choose to use online avatars. Language barrier and time difference have also prompted these online merchants to make such a decision. Liu Jiachang is a senior executive of a digital company in Beijing. The company introduced online avatars months ago. Take four hours of live streaming, for instance. The cost for hiring a real person is around 200 yuan an hour on average, and 24,000 yuan a month. The amount has already surpassed the yearly cost of online avatars. In May, our company generated over 1 million yuan in sales through online avatars. However, many merchants are still complaining about the flaws of avatars, such as their limited interactivity. Ding Wen is the executive vice president of a health products company in China. She says the company has combined the use of virtual anchors and real persons during live streaming. Our principle is to use real individuals to promote our products during peak hours and digital avatars when traffic is low. The gross merchandise volume generated through digital avatars accounted for about 11% of our overall transactions. Co-founder Tang Wenbin of MacV Technology says AI can significantly improve our lives. The application of AI can either improve the efficiency or lower the costs or improve user experience. Echo in town, Liu Shuyan with Catwell says digital avatars can reduce a variety of intangible costs, but there are higher requirements for live broadcast content. Digital human is a tool that can help you get results. But the final results depends on other factors, such as product positioning, speech design, transaction logic, marketing selling points, and other factors. So far, many domestic internet giants, such as Tencent, 
have initiated projects to promote the use of digital avatars. According to marquee research firm iMedia, in 2021, the total scale of China's live streaming e-commerce industry reached 1.2 billion yuan and is expected to reach 2.1 trillion yuan, around 290 billion U.S. dollars by 2025. Meanwhile, a research institute in Shenzhen predicts that the market volume of digital avatars will reach 270 billion yuan or 39 billion U.S. dollars in 2030. For the Beijing Hour, this is Jiang Tao. Inner Mongolia is one of China's richest regions for solar resources. Solar energy is helping create spaces for farming in its desert areas. Ning Hong went to a farm to learn more. Abundant sunlight makes the desert. An ideal location for solar energy generation. Unlike other solar power plants, the photovoltaic panels here are placed on higher supports. Beneath these supports is modified soil, which allows crops to be cultivated in large areas. Solar panels here are high above ground, leave the space here to allow machineries to work on crops and vegetables. People are turning this solar power station into a farmland as well. The crops grown here require local farmers' care, providing them with an additional source of income. We mainly remove weeds and take care of the tomatoes here. It's the agricultural off-season, and we can earn 200 yuan per day. Crops are cultivated underneath the solar panels. Some have been here for years. The solar panels provide shade and break the wind, reducing annual evaporation by 800 millimeters and wind speed by 1.5 meters per second. During the project construction, maintenance, and subsequent crop cultivation stages, we have employed local farmers and those from impoverished households, providing them with ongoing work. On average, each household can increase their income by 32,000 yuan per year. The solar plant is continually expanding, and there are plans for it to reach 2 million kilowatts in size. The solar panels' supports will be even higher and the gaps wider, making it suitable for large-scale mechanical operations. This is hoped. Will provide more possibilities for continued agricultural development. That was Ning Hong reporting from Inner Mongolia. Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi has visited the United Nations to mark the International Day of Yoga during his official visit to the United States. Hundreds of UN staff members and diplomats, including outgoing General Assembly President Zeba Karosi, joined Modi in the practice. Jody Jacobs reports. It was a rather chilly morning here at the United Nations headquarters, but despite that, hundreds of people gathered on the northern lawns to participate in this ancient physical, mental, and spiritual practice that has its origins in India. A Guinness World Record was also broken on Wednesday. This event was the largest number of different nationalities in one yoga session. Also participating was India's Prime Minister. Kicked off his official visit to the United States right here in New York. It was politics aside, as Modi praised yoga as being truly universal, saying it's a way of life. Friends, when we do yoga, we feel physically fit, mentally calm, and emotionally content. But it is not just about doing exercise on a mat. Yoga is a way of life. 
a holistic approach to health and well-being, a way to mindfulness in thoughts and actions, a way to live in harmony with self, with others, and with nature. This is the ninth year that people around the world come together to celebrate International Day of Yoga. It was first introduced by Prime Minister Modi in his address to the opening of the 69th session of the General Assembly and adopted by 175 member states back in 2014. Yoga is a way of uniting mind and body and also the environment and us. The most memorable university lectures I attended as a student many years ago were on cultural traditions of ancient Eastern civilizations. They helped me understand that we are part of nature, despite regarding ourselves as aristocratically detached from other creatures. Today, yoga is practiced in various forms around the world and has for the last decade grown in popularity. That was Jody Jacobs at the United Nations in New York. Earlier, Moda, or rather Modi met Tesla CEO Elon Musk and discussed investment in India. Also on Modi's agenda is a meeting with U.S. President Joe Biden. We're at 28 minutes past the hour. Beijing's down to 24 degrees this evening. It's cloudy and 39 degrees Celsius on Friday. Chongqing's at 20 overnight, then sunny and 28 degrees. Uh, Lhasa's down to 8 degrees, uh, then sunny and 24. Hong Kong's at 28 this evening. Showers Friday and 32 degrees. Elsewhere, Tokyo's 19 overnight. A slight rain and 25 on Friday. Islamabad's getting clear skies and 29 this evening, then sunny and 43. Bangkok's 26 overnight, then a slight rain and 37 for Friday. In Africa, Nairobi's getting a slight rain and 24 degrees. And finally to Oceania, Sydney's at 11 this evening. Tomorrow, a slight rain and 19. Auckland's at 13 overnight, then a slight rain and 17 degrees. And uh, Port Vila will see a slight rain and 26 degrees Celsius. It's time for a short break. So far this hour, the Chinese premiers issued a three-point proposal on deepening China-France cooperation. An explosion at a restaurant in Ningxia has killed at least 31 people. And cities and villages across China are hosting a wide range of activities to celebrate the annual Dragon Boat Festival. Shane Begum with you. Stay with us here on the Beijing Hour. You're listening to the Beijing Hour, 60 minutes of comprehensive news, your window on China and the world. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host, Shane Begum with you on this Thursday, still to come. In business, Chinese tourism authorities expect travel numbers to rebound to pre-pandemic levels. In sports, big transfer moves in European football, in culture and entertainment. New movies in Chinese theaters for the holiday weekend. To contact us, you can email beijinghour at cri.com.cn. 
Now checking the day's headlines, Chinese Premier Li Chung's calling for closer China-France cooperation in innovation, uh, maintaining the global industrial and supply chains, and fostering a sound business environment. He made the proposal when delivering a speech at a dinner with the Chinese and French business communities in Paris. The Chinese Premier is paying an official visit to France. He'll also attend the summit for a new global financing pact. Authorities in Inchuan have detained nine people, including the owner of a barbecue restaurant where a gas explosion killed at least 31 people. Seven others are injured. President Xi Jinping is demanding an all-out effort to treat the injured and that all regions and departments should screen for and rectify all types of risks and hidden dangers. The central government has sent a working group to guide the rescue efforts. Staff members at the restaurant in the capital of Ningxia told authorities that the explosion took place as an employee was changing a gas valve. An explosion uh, on the left bank in Paris has sparked a fire and caused uh, part of a building to collapse. Around 40 people are injured, including four in critical condition. Rescuers are searching for the missing, feared buried under the rubble. Hundreds of firefighters were involved in bringing the blazes under control. The U.S. Coast Guard says it's bringing in new ships and underwater vessels to search for the sub that vanished in the depths of the Atlantic Ocean. Captain Jamie Frederick says they're concentrating on the area where noises were heard. We need to have hope, right? But, but I, don't, I can't tell you what the noises are. But what I can tell you is, and I think this is the most important point, we're searching where the noises are. And that's all we can do at this point. Now, search teams are still trying to locate the source of uh, the sounds. The U.S. Coast Guard says the search area for the vessel is twice the size of Connecticut. A U.S. Air National Guardsman accused of leaking classified Pentagon documents online has pleaded not guilty in federal court. Jack Teixeira was indicted on six counts of willful retention and transmission of national defense information. Each count is punishable by up to 10 years in prison. The judge denied a defense request to reconsider Teixeira's detention order. The 21-year-old's been behind bars since his uh, April arrest on charges stemming from the most consequential intelligence leak in years. The World Health Organization says it's preparing for increased spread of viral diseases like dengue and Zika due to the very high probability of El Nino weather uh, in the next two years. Uh, Director General Tedros Adnam Ghebreyesus says they're gearing up for the threat. To respond to this threat, WHO last year established the Global Arbovirus Initiative, which aims to strengthen the world's ability to prevent, detect, and respond to outbreaks of this disease. And many of the actions that can prevent dengue are the same actions that can help prevent so many other diseases, including climate action. Uh, Peru is uh, in the midst of uh, a dengue outbreak already responsible for record-breaking deaths and infections. Official data shows nearly 250 deaths while reported cases have surpassed 146,000. The outbreak is likely to worsen as torrential rains from El Nino lead to surging populations of mosquitoes which transmit dengue. El Nino fuels tropical cyclones in the Pacific, boosting rainfall and the flood risk.
A French official says the country has pledged its initial support for Saudi Arabia's bid to host Expo 2030, but this commitment is limited to the first round of voting. Uh, the statement leaves room for potential backing for Italy's candidacy. Italian Prime Minister uh, Giorgio Maloney says the environment and innovation can be the winning cards for Rome's bid for Expo 2030. I believe that Rome's winning card is the ability that Rome can guarantee to reconcile tradition and innovation. And I believe that there are some very solid points in our application, starting from the very theme of the regeneration of the relationship between men and territory, demonstrating that great works can be built without having to disfigure the environment, demonstrating that men and the environment can coexist, and that indeed, through the work of men, who often also defends the environment. The host country for the 2030 edition of the World Fair is expected to be uh, elected in November by a vote of the 179 member states of the International Bureau of Expositions. Italy faces stiff competition from Saudi Arabia and South Korea. That's your headline news update. This is Shane Begum in the Chinese capital. Coming up in business, Chinese tourism authorities expect travel numbers to rebound to pre-pandemic levels. On this week's edition of the China Africa Talk podcast, we delve into a conversation with visiting African journalists about how they view the development of China's passenger transport network and perhaps how it can be applied to their countries. Catch the full discussion on China Africa Talk. Available on your preferred podcast. We'll see you there. At 37 past the hour, stock markets on the Chinese mainland and in Hong Kong were closed today. In Japan, the Nikkei was down around nine-tenths of a percent. Tourism figures in China are expected to rebound to pre-pandemic levels. The revenue from domestic tourism over the three-day Dragon Boat Festival is projected to reach 37 billion yuan, or 5.5 billion U.S. dollars. Data shows the number of domestic tourist trips during this holiday period is expected to hit 100 million. The National Railway System is expected to see 71 million passengers, with a daily average of 14.2 million people. Dragon Ball races are a major tradition during the Dragon Ball Festival. In Guangdong Province, the racing activities can last for a month. Well, this year, Dragon Ball makers are seeing a healthy surge in demand for their vessels. Wang Tianyu has more. The beat of the drums, the rush of water, and the swing of the paddles. It is that time of the year again as the traditional paddling sport, Dragon Ball Racing, takes over China's rivers and lakes. The three-day Dragon Boat Festival is in full swing this week. With 2,000 years of history, China's Dragon Boat races remains extremely popular below the Yanzi, where plenty of rivers offer perfect stage for competitive races, with each boat having about 20 to 50 paddlers and normally from the same village. Rowers here join forces together to demonstrate their robust teamwork, strength, and endurance. In the place where I'm in, a small town near southern China's city Guangzhou, the Dragon Boat Races is the biggest traditional civil activity in the year, lasting for nearly a month. And this year, as China relaxed its COVID-19 restrictions, the event is larger than ever. Thus, orders for Dragon Boats have seen a boom in recent days. We received quite a lot of orders this year. The first orders came in during the second month of the lunar calendar, and orders now total over 20 dragon boats. We basically had to work overtime every night. In another traditional shipyard in Zhongtang town, 
This year's Dragon Mode 3D has forced the half a century old manufacturing base to turn down some orders. This year we have so many orders. I received orders for nine. I wouldn't dare to take on more when there are too many orders because I won't be able to manage them. We are already working 11 to 12 hours every day with barely any time to rest. The boat itself is now the only business opportunity from the races. Uniforms, firecrackers, and even local delicacies contribute to the consumption derived from the event. Nowadays, the Dragon Mode racing has gone far beyond being just a competition. It gives people who work in cities away from their hometowns a great reason to come back. Some peddlers here told me they applied a couple of days off just to participate in the games, and more importantly, paddle together for their hometowns. That was Wang Tianyu reporting. U.S. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell insists the United States is squarely focused on reaching its goal of 2% inflation. But inflationary pressure continues to run deep. The head of the country's central bank warns that the U.S. remains very far off its target, and interest rates may need to rise to lower persistently high prices. Benji Heyer reports. In his opening statement kicking off a three-hour hearing, Mr. Powell laid out the current economic state of play and defended the Fed's actions to date. He told lawmakers that whilst inflation has moderated, now at 4%, the lowest level in more than two years, it's still double the target and that he's committed to getting there. The question is, how quickly? Because after 10 straight hikes up 5 percentage points since early last year, the bank's Federal Open Market Committee last week kept interest rates unchanged. The move, however, was likely just a brief respite rather than a, a huge change of policy. You see, Jerome Powell on Wednesday clarified that he's simply decreasing the frequency of these hikes in order to avoid increasing rates higher than needed, which could slow the economy and risk a recession. It makes sense, he said, to amend rates, but do so at a, quote, a more moderate pace, adding that as you get closer to your destination and find that destination, you slow down even further. In other words, there's more tightening to come. Nearly all FOMC participants expect that it will be appropriate to raise interest rates somewhat further by the end of the year. But at last week's meeting, considering how far and how fast we've moved, we judged it prudent to hold the target range steady to allow the committee to assess additional information and its implications for monetary policy. The response was largely mixed and largely partisan. Republican Congressman Patrick McHenry urged the federal bank to stay on course to eliminate what he calls this stealth tax on American workers. Meanwhile, senior Democrat Representative Maxine Waters believes the Fed made the right decision, she says, to pause. Mr Powell's remarks also briefly touched upon the banking turmoil earlier in the year following a series of regional lender failures. He assured lawmakers that the industry is sound, is resilient, whilst also conceding the episode serves as an important reminder to address vulnerabilities and to ensure that, uh, that regulatory practices are in shape. That was Benji Hyatt reporting. 
The Bank of England is set to raise interest rates for a 13th time in a row after inflation data came in higher than expected once again, with investors split on just how big the new hike will be. After inflation held at 8.7% in May, financial markets priced in a nearly 50% chance that the BOE would opt for a bigger move and raise rates by half a percentage point. Britain's economies dodged a widely expected recession so far this year, though inflation looks set to be a minimal 0.25% this year. Uh, Two inflation readings since the BOE's last rate hike in May have both been higher than expected, and it's raising fears that Britain faces a more persistent price growth problem than the United States or the Eurozone. The China Academy of Personnel Science says the esports industry is now short of 1.5 million qualified professionals for mid and upstream positions. Zhang Shishuan looks at uh, what's behind the extensive professional demand. The spotlight in esports is usually on players with mature skills, fascinating teamwork, fierce desires to win, and who hold up the trophies in front of the cheering audiences. But behind them lie mountains of efforts from a variety of professionals. The industry needs them to help esports continue developing and maintain its value. I graduated from the Hubei Institute of Fine Arts, one of the eight major art academies in China. I'm now responsible for designing posters for players during tournaments. I studied esports as an undergraduate, and I'm mainly helping schedule training matches. And then I follow the team to the tournament, helping players with their daily life and any issues on stage. They are backstage workers at the esports club Bilibili Gaming, widely known as BLG. The club now has around 100 staff members, almost a tenfold jump from when it was established in 2017. 30% of them are responsible for operations, content generation, video editing, design, marketing and training. Our operational staff here have at least a bachelor's degree, some have a master's. We even have some overseas graduates with a master's degree joining our operations. For example, some of our analysts studied statistics overseas. We have 15 training personnel. Today most of them have followed the team to Suzhou for a competition. They have to film and write things for social media. Electronic sports tournaments have started gaining global reputations. The proof? Esports will now be an official medal sport at the upcoming Asian Games in Hangzhou. At the beginning, we just had a single offline tournament. Then, we got leagues. And then the leagues tournaments lasted longer. We now have more than 200 days of competition a year. We have to live stream and broadcast our leagues to the broad audience so we have also had to enhance our commentating skills competing with their overseas counterparts. So the demand for different professionals is huge. But where can those talented professionals come from? It's a young school, launched just two years ago, named the China Esports College. It now has some 30 students. I just took an exam to get a certificate of a national-level sport agent last Sunday. I've done plenty of internships, including backstage management. I did club operations for two years. Now I'm more interested in becoming a tournament executive director. I'm confident about my future. This has already gained the attention of the government, which now offers official recognition for jobs like esports operations staff. As uh, Zhang Shishuan reporting. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. Coming up in sports, big transfer moves in European football. 
Dragon boat races have transformed from a festival tradition in China into a sport highlighted with an annual national-level competition. What's unique about the dragon boat races? How far is it being included in the Olympic program? Listen to this week's Sideline Story podcast as we discuss everything you need to know about dragon boat racing. Forty-seven past the hour now, and turning to sports, here's Yang Guang. Thank you, Shane. Barcelona has agreed on a deal to sign Ikai Gundogan from Manchester City on a free transfer, with midfielder set to pen a three-year contract. The 32-year-old has won five Premier League titles and a Champions League trophy in his seven years at City. In compensation for the loss, City has agreed on a 30 million pound deal to sign Chelsea midfielder Mateo Kovacic. Meantime, in Premier League transfers, Arsenal has agreed on a deal in principle to sign German forward Kai Havertz from City rival Chelsea for around £64 million. Havertz will be Arsenal's second most expensive signing after they paid a club record fee of around £72 million for Nicolas Pepe in 2019. UEFA has banned Jose Mourinho from four European games for verbally abusing the Europa League final referee after Roma lost to Sevilla. Footage circulated after a May 31st final of the Roma coach approaching English referee Anthony Taylor and calling him a disgrace. One day after that final, Taylor and his family were harassed by Roma fans at airports in Budapest. Mourinho is set to serve the ban in the Europa League group stage starting in September. In tennis, Daniil Medvedev continued building momentum for Wimbledon as he moved into the quarterfinals of the Hala Open, overcoming Laszlo Jerry in three sets. But world number three admitted that he is not a fan of the grass surface. Grass is just so tough for me. You can play one bad game in the match and lose it. You can actually play a perfect match and lose on two tiebreaks. So. It's a little bit,、uh, yeah, strange for me because、uh, when I see,、uh, you know, top players like Roger Novak, I mean, from one side they can seem like aliens, but you try to, you know, see the best in them and how they are able on this surface where it's kind of sometimes tricky to to beat anyone. Medvedev's best performance at Wimbledon was in 2021 when he reached the fourth round. At the Queen's Club Championship, Francis Tiafoe's recent winning round on grass was ended by Sebastian Kuda. Kuda won 7-6-6-3 to end the fourth seed's bid to follow up his title in Stuttgart last week. In women's singles action, Chinese star Zhang Qingwen's first grass appearance this season ended in a bitter straight sets defeat against Veronica Kudermatova at the Berlin Open. Elsewhere, last year's finalist Zhang Shuai crashed out of the Birmingham Classic at the hands of Emilia Bechtus. China's Zhu Lin progressed into the third round in Birmingham after outclassing Magda Linette. Venus Williams is set to make her 24th appearance in the singles draw at Wimbledon after the 43-year-old American was given a wild card entry. Williams is a five-time Wimbledon singles champion, ranked just inside world 700. Williams beat 48th-ranked Camilla Giorgi in three sets on Monday at the Birmingham Classic. It was her first victory over a player in the top 50 in nearly four years. China claimed the silver medal in the women's foil team event at the Fencing Asian Championships after a final loss to Japan. China managed to cut the 13-point gap to a five-point deficit after five rounds, but was unable to trigger a comeback. 
coach Lei Shen says the team must learn from the loss. Japan did not adopt any special tactics, and they mainly fenced using basic skills. So we should admit Japan are better at the basics. In the first round, they did not attack in a rush, but they fought back when we took the initiative. We may face Japan in future competitions, so we should learn from this event, and I hope we can perform better if we meet them again. In the men's epic team event, Team China lost to the Hong Kong squad in the quarterfinals. Japan clinched the gold after defeating Kazakhstan in the final. In the NBA, the Washington Wizards have agreed to trade center Kristaps Porzingis to the Boston Celtics as a part of a three-team trade that also includes Marcus Smart heading to the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies also sent two first-round draft picks to the Celtics. The Wizards are receiving guard Tyus Jones from Memphis and the forwards Mike Muscala and Danilo Gallinari, as well as second-round draft pick this year from Boston. Porzingis is coming off a solid season in Washington, in which he averaged a career-high 23.2 points per game. The NBA will hold this year's draft on Thursday night with French sensation Victor Wembanyama projected to be selected number one overall by the San Antonio Spurs. The 19-year-old has been called the best prospect since LeBron James came out of high school 20 years ago. He says he's excited about the start of his NBA chapter. Ever since uh, I knew about the draft, exactly how it worked, uh, I wanted to be first. Yeah, I think I, I started to realize I could be a professional basketball player at the age of probably 12. Tomorrow, something is going to happen, that uh, something that I've been thinking for, for years and years. So... It's, I can't really describe how I feel right now, but uh, I just know I'm going to have trouble sleeping tonight, for sure. Wenbenyama is listed at 225 centimeters, a similar height with Yao Ming, but has the dribbling and the shooting skills of a player much smaller. He played for Mets 92 in the top French basketball league last season, averaging 16.8 points and 9.4 rebounds per game in the playoffs. And finally, top golfers are looking to bounce back from the top prize this week as the PGA Tour goes to the Trans Travelers Championship. The tournament is on the heels of a surprise title run by Wyndham Clark at the US Open. Brandon Gates provides a preview. The PGA Tour now heads to Cromwell, Connecticut for the Travelers Golf Championship 2023, which tees off at TPC River Highlands and will feature a star-studded field. Wet weather is predicted for the tournament, so I think softer turf conditions will only amplify the power of proximity and contenders will need great approach play and a high conversion rate to succeed. That being said, I think world number one Scotty Scheffler is still the favourite and my other top contenders would include Patrick Cantlay, Rory McIlroy, John Rahm and Zonda Shawfley. That was Brandon Yates on the Travelers Golf Championship. Thank you very much. And that was Young Guang with Sports. Uh, this is the Beijing Hour and coming up in culture, new movies in Chinese theaters for the holiday weekend. The Beijing Hour. Hello, I'm Peter Dinklage from X-Men Days of Future Past. You are listening to the Beijing Hour. Hi, I'm Kathy Freeman and you're listening to the Beijing Hour. Hi everyone, I'm Lang Lang. Welcome to the Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour, your window to China and the world. 54 past the hour. Celebrations are underway across China for the Dragon Bow Festival. The city of Jiaxing held a competition to see who wraps the best sticky rice dumplings, or zongzi. Wu Bin has the story. Zongzi, or sticky rice dumplings, are a traditional Chinese snack eaten for the Dragon Bow Festival. 
In Jiaxing, a city in East China's Zhejiang Province, the annual Zongzi Wrapping Competition is held with foreign guests invited to compete. They are given 10 minutes each to wrap Zongzi. While some succeed, the majority find it a challenge. But anyway, you wrapped it. <laughs> yeah. You wrapped it. <laughs> it was very fun. Uh, we are not as skillful as the uh, professional ones, of course, because they can do it perfectly and super fast. But I had a great time, and I think this is the best part of the wrapping something. Some of the expats have success in terms of quantity rather than quality. Five also, she did five. We are so happy to be here and to participate in this event. I let seven, but, but not in very good uh, chip, but it's small but very good. The Zongzi Wrapping Competition is part of the celebrations for the Dragon Ball Festival, held in the city for the past 17 years. Renowned for its delicious zones, Jiaxing has used the Dragon Ball Festival to shape its city brand. This year, a local fair is set to attract tourists from around China in a boost to the local economy. The Zongzi in Jiaxing is famous across the country and has also become popular at the fair. The fair nowadays is not like it used to be. These days it has many immersive experiences droning on Asian styles. Many young ladies wear hanfu and come to the fair. Our companies have also expanded from just selling zongs to meeting the needs of different groups. The celebration in Jiaxing will last until Saturday, and over 20 activities featuring folklore and cultural heritage will be held. That was Uvin on a Zongzi wrapping competition in uh, Jiaxing. Domestic crime film Lost in the Stars is opened in Chinese theaters. The mind-bending story follows a journey of a husband who realizes that his wife has gone missing during their overseas trip, and he wakes up to find a mysterious woman claiming to be his wife. The movie stars actor Ju Long as well as actresses Nini and Janice Mann. Uh, Ju says that uh, he had a, a brand new acting experience in the movie. I'm grateful that director Chen Sichuan would offer me the chance, because it's like no role I ever played. I've never attempted this kind of style of acting. Movie is projected to earn 900 million yuan, or roughly 125 million U.S. dollars in box office. Chinese director Feng Xiaogang has started shooting the long-awaited third installment of his comedy, If You Are the One. Uh, Ge Yeo and Xu uh, Chi reprise their starring roles in this new movie. The sequel, filmed 13 years after the second installment, is set in 2031, when artificial intelligence is sophisticated enough for human emotional support and it affects the relationship between Qin Fun and Xiao Xiao. The first two films of the series combined for 730 million yuan, or roughly 100 million U.S. dollars in total box office. Reports say If You Are the One 3 will hit Chinese screens during Spring Festival next year. We're at 58 past the hour, Beijing's at 24 degrees overnight. Friday has cloudy skies, but the high is 39 degrees Celsius. Chongqing's down to 20 overnight, then sunny and 28 degrees. Lhasa has 8 overnight, then sunny and 24. Hong Kong dips to 28 degrees. Showers and 32 tomorrow. Elsewhere, Tokyo's 19 overnight. A slight rain and 25 on Friday. Islamabad's getting clear skies in 29 this evening, then it's sunny and 43. Bangkok's at 26 overnight, then a slight rain and 37. In Africa, Nairobi's getting a slight rain and 24 degrees. And finally, to Oceania, Sydney's at 11 this evening, then a slight rain and 19 degrees Celsius.
And that's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. Making news today, the Chinese premiers issued a three-point proposal on deepening China-France cooperation. And an explosion at a restaurant in Ningxia has killed at least 31 people. On behalf of the staff, this is Shane Bigham in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together.